Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Game of Love podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Smith, international dating coach, author, fan of my guest that I have in studio today. He is spiritual guru, Mr. Law of One, Aaron Apke. Thanks for being here, Aaron. Jessica Smith, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me back. (laughs) It is great having you for round two on the podcast. You've been on my radio show before, and you're going to be back again soon as well. I'm really excited. We always have a blast. We do. And speaking of having a blast, part one of this series was a smash hit. People loved it. Yes. So today we're doing. Law of One, Dating and Sex Talk with you, Aaron Apke. Very excited about part two. I cannot wait. The, my audience just loves this conversation, not just for the you know sexual energy, conscious relationships aspect, but especially how it ties into Law of One, because there's just so much. It's one of the most heavily discussed topics in the Law of One, and amongst the very few Law of One teachers out there, um, it's probably the least talked about topic. So it's kind of fun to uh, to break the ice on it a little bit. And I think we did a good job at that in the first episode, but still a whole lot left to talk about. And I'm sure our questions will lead us where we need to go. Definitely. Yeah. Law of One is so fascinating for so many reasons. And it's it's funny to me that everybody has questions and wants to know about romantic love and sex. And I think a lot of people get timid when it comes to spirituality because they're like, ooh, you know, it's such a, a sacred topic and they feel like it's like dirty or, or wrong to, you know, correlate the two. And I was really, really pleased by the feedback that our audience had in regards to part one. And especially in my Instagram, the people that ask questions, I was really proud of them, Aaron, because a lot of them are timid when I ask them like, hey, I'm going to do a podcast on sex. Submit your your questions. And usually it's it's crickets. And uh, this oh, time... Oh, wow. I'm shocked. Yeah. This time the audience showed up. So a big thank you to everyone that watched part one and who submitted questions for part two. It's it's great having you guys listen and take part in this because, you know, we're, we're, we're all here to learn from each other. And you and I, Aaron, have talked on this topic. I don't know. How many hundreds of hours have we discussed this privately? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just endlessly fascinating, and and I think it it illuminates so much about the taboos and the things that we are confused about in spirituality about like what's the right way right way to utilize sexual energy for spirituality. It's just outside of tantra, there's not a whole lot of material on it that's easily accessible for people at least. So law of one really shines in that area. Definitely. So anybody who's listening that's not familiar with the Law of One, what we're talking about, Aaron did a beautiful synopsis of it in part one. So go ahead and pause this episode and go back and listen to part one so you're informed, you know what we're talking about, you're up to speed, and then you'll be really ready to deep dive into this episode. So, which this episode, we're going to do a Q and a, you and I had a beautiful discussion on part one. And this time um, we're going to hear from, from the fans, from the audience and see what questions they have. And you and I, we, we have a lot to say on all this. So if uh, we go down some rabbit holes, 
There will be rabbit holes. There will be rabbit holes. So we will journey down those. And there's always beautiful nuggets of wisdom that come through those um, the moments of going down the rabbit hole. So we have a lot of questions about sex. We're going to talk about relationships too. And Erin, if there's things that come up, I know your audience is, is always asking you questions about conscious relationships and and sex. So throw in a question if it comes to your mind. If you're like, you know, I, I get this in my DMs all the time. Let's address it. Just jump in and give it to us, okay? <laughs> Sounds good. Wonderful. Well, let's get started. First question. Do I need a partner to reach enlightenment? Oh, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it's 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 a helpful catalyst for sure. But um, enlightenment is a path you can, you everyone has to walk on their own in in that sense. And if you don't have a partner serving as your kind of conscious mirror or guru, as we talked about in the last episode, anything and everything is like life is always reflecting to you what you need to see. And every moment, you know, the guru is speaking through your life circumstances if you're paying attention, right? Yeah. So it's like, just pay really close attention. This has been my experience. You don't need to go find an, an external guru in India or Tibet or something. Life is the supreme guru, and it will definitely use a partner to help you out in that pursuit for inner freedom. And partners, I think in, a, in one sense, have a unique ability for that because they can trigger in us things that are so deep that literally nothing else has the ability to trigger, which is why for me personally, relationships have easily been my greatest catalyst for growth and healing because they've really showed me all my blind spots. I 100% agree with that. You know, it's, I think it's our, like you said, it's our life situation and and our soul contract, which way we're going to take, if we're going to do more of the single approach where you're more monk-like, you know, you're doing your, your thing and other people are going to choose to be in a relationship. And I agree with you, relationships, whew, the, you know, having a partner, that's when they can really push your buttons and they yeah. can trigger you, piss you off. In yoga, they say that your partner is your guru because they cast the light on your darkness. They can get really down deep in there and dig up the stuff. And, and that's where we get the opportunity to learn because, you know, with without somebody pushing our buttons and bringing up the stuff, it can just sit dormant. It yeah. sits dormant. And our partner partners can awfully be very skillful, either intentionally or unintentionally of, you know, shining those lights and pushing the buttons. And then it allows us when the, when the shit comes up, then that's where, that's when the spirituality really comes to play. Cause then we have to mitigate our, our emotions and our actions and, and how we can, you know, handle that and be in integrity. So we're not just, you know, lashing out and, and letting our, our demons go and all that good stuff. So Right. Yeah. Oof. If it's, it's uh, if it's in you, the, the relationship will trigger it at some point. It's inevitable. Mm-hmm. And all that a guru does, like a true guru disciple relationship, the guru just points out the disciple's ignorance. That's all the guru does. And so in that sense, your partner is your guru. Like you said, you know, you know yoga teaches this because your partner will show you your ignorance. Mm-hmm. So you have to go into a conscious relationship beginning with the premise that Anything that does not represent or anything that does not reflect freedom to me is my responsibility to see and heal through awareness. 
So I never blame my partner. Like you made me feel this way. You said that thing. You shouldn't do that anymore. That triggers me because now you're just bypassing what the real problem is, which is your own self-perception. So instead you just say, okay, what did you show me? That's an insecurity. That's a jealousy. That's a whatever. It's always my responsibility if I get triggered. Thank you for saying that. That is so beautiful, especially in our world where, you know, it's easy to point the finger at everybody else, you know, oh, that person did me wrong and that person and you made me feel like this and da, da, da. And it's always, always our responsibility. It it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. We have to take responsibility for our our actions and, and, you know, what we say and how we react to things. And yeah, I, I always use the expression, uh, I keep my side of the street clean. It's like, I don't care what my neighbors are doing. I don't care if their yards are full of weeds or there's garbage in it. Like, I'm going to keep my side clean. I'm going to sweep my, my porch, my stairs. I'm going to mow my lawn. Like everything's going to be good. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to blame my, my neighbors or, or lash out and so thank you for saying that. I think it is so important, especially, I, I probably shouldn't go down this rabbit hole too much, but in our cancel culture and how everything is just you, you, you. You're the problem. Yeah. yeah. No self-responsibility at all. Yep. And it's so important in our relationships and, and, you know, everybody wants to have a happy, healthy, thriving relationship. And one of the keys to that is what you just said, taking responsibility will add so much peace, harmony, joy, pleasure to your relationships, like being less reactive, not blaming, you know, all like, ooh, having effective communication. Boom. Yeah. I'm sure you can say this too, Jessica, but man, for myself, like coming from this side of the spectrum, being super codependent, clingy, attached, uh, insecure, jealous, and having done so much work for years through relationships, beginning with that premise of, I'm going to take responsibility for my shit. I'm tired of blaming my partner. If she wouldn't have done that or said that, I wouldn't hurt this way. I'm sick of that victim stuff. I'm taking responsibility for it. And from that point forward, you just start to grow so fast because whatever comes up, you just say, thank you for showing me that. Thanks for that, showing me that little bit of jealousy still remaining or insecurity. And you cannot imagine the freedom the expansiveness you feel being in a relationship when your partner cannot trigger you anymore. You ha- you want nothing from them. You're not attached to them. So you just want their highest good. You're just here to love and serve them, right? Yeah. That's a true conscious partnership. And I think on the other side of the coin, you know, we've talked about how your partner can trigger you. But the flip side of the coin is that your partner's your guru, also in the sense that you can polarize deeper together than you can alone through that devotion, that love, that service, and through deepening your intimacy and connection, which as we'll, I'm sure talk about, happens a lot through sex, mm-hmm. um, you can grow so much with someone when you're both on this journey together. It's yeah. kind of like, if we're going to take a journey somewhere, how much faster and safer can we get there if there's two of us versus just one of us, right? Uh, yes, yes, yes. I too have been on that side of the spectrum that's codependent, needy, insecure, feels anxious, needy and all that. And I love that you use the word freedom because I too have experienced so much freedom being on the on the opposite side of that spectrum. And one thing that I've said for years and I will say today, it's being equanimous. This like there's this inner peace, there's this stability. Like I am steadfast and and sovereign in my being. 
So no matter what happens on the outside, it's not going to, it's not going to screw with me. And so when we enter a relationship from that point of view, and I love how you, you flip the script and we're talking about when you do come into a healthy relationship without that blaming, with that, that calmness within you, and you also come in with this collaborative attitude of, you know, I think in our modern day relationships, we're always like, you're going to hurt me, you're going to be a jerk, and I'm going to be prepared to defend myself, and I'm not going to let you hurt me. And there's this, this instant, when we enter relationships, this instant combativeness, instead of like, I care about you. I want to build and create an amazing relationship with you. And I am in this and I'm going to treat you with integrity, our relationship with integrity. And it changes the way, of course, our intimacy is and our day-to-day, but it also changes the quality of our our tension. And when we do get triggered, because then there's not this mean lashing out, it's, I love you. Let's let's handle this properly and not take each other out in the process. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm going to take your wild card and throw in a question here because this touches on one of the most asked questions I get on this topic, which is how do I attract a partner who's in alignment with me and wants a conscious union, right? Yes. How do I attract that perfect match? Mm-hmm. And you just touched on it when you said that we go into relationships so often with these preconceived ideas of how it's probably going to be based on how it was in the past. And so a lot of this stuff's a foregone conclusion in our mind. It's really subconsciously more a matter of when than if. Um, So you're expecting the guy to cheat, you're expecting the girl to have baggage or whatever. So here's where we go back to law of attraction, right? Wanting nothing attracts everything. Mm. But when you need something, like what what you want runs away from you. And when you let it go, it comes to you. So it's like, if you're willing, if you're needy enough for a partner, if you're, if you're lonely and you just can't be by yourself and you just feel like you'd be happier with a partner, which is totally not true. If you feel like that's true, then you will settle for less than what is truly in alignment for you. Kind of like if you're in a sales conversation, like with a, a salesperson and secretly you really want to buy that product, but you're trying to pretend like you don't. And so you're going to talk the salesperson down. Well, you're going to pull the trigger sooner or later, and usually sooner if you want it bad enough. So let's say you you buy the house for 500K. But if the opposite happens and you're like, I got so much money, I don't need this house. Like, convince me I need this house, buddy. Like that guy will talk you down to 350K to make the sale because you didn't need it, right? So you were willing to let it go, which means it actually attracted a better deal for you. And it works the same in relationships. It's like, be self-sustained, love yourself, give to yourself all the intimacy, the sensuality, everything you want from a partner, give it to yourself first, and then you'll be fulfilled inside and be like, no, I'm more than happy to wait for the perfect match. And so whatever comes into your life that's not in alignment with what you want, where your vision is, your your desire for spiritual growth in a relationship, like if it doesn't reflect that, you're, you're going to see it right away. Yeah. But if you're trying to convince yourself because you're so needy, you overlook the red flags and you pull the trigger too quick, you know, I use the example of like, you put out the intention to the universe, like we all do. Universe, bring me the perfect person. Universe says, okay, got it. Let me, let me see how bad you actually want that request. So it gives you the 60% match. And if you're needy enough, you go, oh, this is it. Thanks. Pull the trigger. And then, you know, a couple months, break up, start all over again. Not a bad thing. You learn some lessons. You grow a little bit, a little more firm in your convictions of what you want. 
but then the universe brings the 70% match and you're like, no, this is it. Pull the trigger. (laughs) And another breakup happens in six months. And so we, we go through that until we suffer enough. Usually where we're like, look, I can't put myself through another exhausting breakup again. Like I'm waiting until it's such a screaming from the mountaintops, mind blowing. Yes. That I can't even believe it's happening. And if it's not that I'm really not interested in it. And funny enough is when you get to that place where you're absolutely resolute in what you want, typically it comes pretty quickly. You don't have to wait very long. It sure does. And I love that you bring that up because so many people are so ready for love. I mean, I hear this on the daily. I'm ready for love. I just, right now I'm ready. And a lot of times we we need to approach and look at our love life as a spiritual journey and that there's lessons to be learned along the way. And when it comes to manifesting, sometimes the right person will come right in if the, you know, the time is right. Yet for a lot of people, the, the partners will show up better and better as they are working down their path. And that's something that for the people who are listening and they're at that 60%, 70% person, like keep your resolve, keep working, yeah. keep, I, I like to have the perspective of being a scientist or researcher and looking from the outside in and being very curious about what's going on. So you are learning the lessons so you can get to that 80, 90, 100% partner. And two, when you have that inner calmness and that, that strength and this like, Hey, I'm good. I'm good if if I'm going to be single the rest of my life or I'll be just fine if a if a partner comes in. There like there's this true uh contentment with our lives. We can not only experience just a great life day in and day out, but we can also handle the trials and the tribulations of dating because Dating, I, I call them mini heartbreaks. They're they're full of mini heartbreaks. There's these little letdowns. You know, you might be on Bumble, you might be excited about a person, and then you know, three days later, you know, they say something dumb and you're disinterested, or you get ghosted. You know, there's a lot of pitfalls when it comes to dating, and so when we have that that inner strength, then you know, we can just roll, we can just roll with it and it doesn't take us out of the game and it doesn't hurt. We don't get, you know, wounded and, and we just kind of take it and we're like, oh, well, that's not my person. Move on. Yes. Yes. I feel like patience and gratitude are like the two most powerful attracting energies you can have because patience says I'm already fulfilled. I don't need anything. Gratitude says, I'm acknowledging the abundance already in my life, which means I'm a match to more of that kind of abundance. So it's like be in that attitude of patience and gratitude. And I think that that comes from, as you touched on just now, just working on that part of me that's not okay being alone. So it's like, can I get to the place where I can accept the possibility? You know, if I was single, if I never find true love, mountaintop love, (laughs) I can be okay. I'll be happy just as fine in that lifestyle as I would in a partnership. Work on getting to that place because the fear is the ego will tell you, well, don't do that because then you'll attract that kind of life. No, that's not true. What do you want? If there's a a desire and you're like, yeah, I think it would be great to have a, a partner. I would love that experience. If it doesn't happen, that's okay. I can accept that too. But there is a desire in me for that. That's what you'll attract. If you truly don't want a relationship, then you're gonna be in the place where you're not gonna attract that. It's always about what you want, but what you want doesn't have to come at the cost of lack and, and 
poverty mentality and sadness and loneliness. It doesn't have to be that way. You can want it and be totally okay with it not being there at the same time. Thank you for breaking that down. Beautifully said. And so often I, I will encourage people to, to remember that universe spirit knows your heart, knows what you yeah. need. And better than you do. Better than you do. Yeah. So often we're like, I'm ready or I'm not ready. Or, you know, we have all these judgments yeah. and it's like, honey, sometimes we are a poor judge of ourselves more often than not. And so we try just, to convince ourselves. Yes. So often over the years with myself, just like the the daily prayers that I will have is just, you know, there's times that I will try to orchestrate my life and control it and, you know, take responsibility like a good little girl. I'll just stop and I'll say, listen, God, I know you, you know my heart and what's best for me. And I just trust that whatever plays out is for my highest and best good, period. Thank you. Love you. Peace out. Well said. Thank you. Let's uh, let's talk about sex, shall we? Let's do it. I feel like we need a little salt and pepper here. Like, let's talk about <laughs> sex, babe. Sugar and spice. <laughs> All right. How can sex complement our spirituality? Great question. Great question. I love this question. You know, I'm a little hung up on where to go with this because there's different ways we could take this. So I feel like the the place to start is to have a really solid understanding of the two types of sexual energy exchange. And they're both fine. They're both equally valid. Everything we talk about in this podcast today, everything is equally valid. There's nothing wrong or bad or sinful. It's just about what do you want? That's it. Mm. So in what do you want, this questioner's pointing to the fact that I want to use sexual energy to enhance my spirituality um, more love, more peace, more connection. So that has to be done through a positively polarized sexual energy exchange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the positive polarity in law of one is radiating or outpouring, and the negative is in streaming or magnetic, drawing into itself. So to start from like the foundation, what we have to know is the perception we have in our mind going into a sexual encounter tells you everything about what polarity you're exchanging. So if you're going into a sexual encounter, which this is the modus operandi for most people, going into it with the belief that like having sex with this person will make me feel enhanced, it will satisfy this urge I have, it will make me feel more masculine or feminine or whatever. If there's anything about you being enhanced from the experience or gratifying a urge or a lust or whatever, that's a negatively polarized sexual energy exchange, which Mm. means it's not going to lend itself to more love and peace. It's going to lend itself to more of an urge to satisfy, more of a need to be fulfilled. So if we talked about this in the last podcast, but typically the man is coming in with this belief that, you know, I'm conquering this woman, which then enhances me as a man. But what does that, what does that actually say about my self-perception? I'm going in to conquer or dominate or possess something because I lack. I'm empty inside and I'm trying to fill that lack with this encounter. So a positively polarized energy exchange is the opposite, meaning I'm I'm going into this because I love this being. I want to experience them and their essence because experiencing them is like experiencing an aspect of God, of the divine. I want to serve them. I want to give them pleasure. To see them in pleasure is my pleasure. 
That's, that's outpouring, right? That's radiating love. And so that's going to be a positively polarized energy exchange. And the thing about that is you can't have that with someone you don't know or haven't built a connection with. You can have, a, you can have that universal love for anyone, of course. Sure. But building a connection with someone in intimacy is how you actually polarize that connection over time. So you have to deepen that connection. And so this is why Ra describes in the law of one that higher density positive beings. It's kind of the nature of the way that they exchange sexual energy is they pair off. And he calls it the they call it the mated pair. Because just like two electrons getting more and more charged over time, the capacity that that has to polarize is infinitely higher than changing connections with a new person all the time. You're just you're sort of starting from scratch every single time. And the other downside to that is it tends to lend itself towards a service to self attitude, which mm. is negatively polarized. So it just goes down, goes back to what do you want? And I think that this is why authenticity in our sexuality is so important because we have a lot of people I see that, that lie to themselves or fool themselves about their real intentions, uh, specifically in the poly community. Mm. People will tell me or tell themselves that they're into polyamory because, well, I just have, I have to share this universal love with everyone. No, you don't. You just have a sexual ego that needs to gratify itself. And that's okay. Admit that, that there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not at the place yet where I can sustain a conscious partnership. I've tried in the past and every time my eyes wander, my lust takes me away from the relationship. So I have to be honest about that, right? Now, I'm not saying this is always the reason anyone ever gets into poly or that it has to be this way. Of course, everything can be done in a conscious way. But I will say every experience I've had around polyamory or communities that are poly has always been that. It's been a, a giant sexual ego that can't, can't satisfy itself and is now shifting over here to use spiritual language to justify its behavior. And that's just inauthentic. Don't pretend like you're having sex with lots of people because you need to spread the love and light of the creator. Like you're not fooling me or yourself. We all, we all know that's not true. If you're honest about it and say, I just need this experience, that's spiritual. Yep. Give yourself that experience, right? Nothing wrong with that. And if that's serving you, keep running with it. If at some point it stops serving you, you'll know because the desire for it will just drop away. I agree with you. I think in this perfect world, this utopian world, we could absolutely have multiple partners and have open relationships. And it could be like this free love kind of vibe, everybody happy and, and you know, having different partners. We are not there. <laughs> we are not there. <laughs> we are not that conscious right now. And I have many stories to back it up too. <laughs> yes, yes. I've heard some of those stories. They're quite fascinating. And and I see it with my my friends and and clients. And I'm I'm so glad that you brought up polyamory because I had so many listeners ask about polyamory. And I I also think on the individual basis, I think that they these people have good intentions who are into polyamory and or want to experience it. I think they do have a lot of love to give. And there's also ego in there. And there's also confusion. Like they're they're lost and they're seeking, you know, they're they're seeking something. And, you know, I I'm all about people doing what they want to do. I would just say the to the people who are questioning 
polyamory and if they want to go down that route, I would definitely ask yourself some really, really tough questions talking to the ego as much as you possibly can, examining the ego and really getting to the heart of the the need of the desire and and be really real and push out society and all the judgments. Because some people are like polyamory, that's horrible, that's disgusting, you know, blah, blah, blah. And there's other, there's other camps that are like, you know, it's the shit. Like this is like, you guys are all missing out because you're not over here, you know, playing with us. So I would just urge you all to to deep dive and do some soul searching around it. Yeah, could not agree more. It's just, again, just be authentic with yourself. Yep. Don't use the dumb excuses that I always hear of like, well, I'm just a really sexual person. So I just got to have sex with lots of people. That's not the reason why you're into poly. We're all very sexual. It's not that people who are in monogamous relationships, they're just not sexual. No, they're oriented differently energetically, right? And yep. that's the question of what do you want? Do you want, like if you could, in your perfect world, if you could be with a one person and have intense, passionate love with them for the rest of your life, or if you could, you know, be in the poly community and have a hundred thousand partners before you die, which one sounds more in alignment with what you want? And then go pursue that. Just be honest about it. And that's how spiritual growth happens. As you said, there's nothing wrong with being polyamory. There's nothing less spiritual about it. But to know how the game of sexual energy works is to understand that this is not just with sex. This is with all egoic desires. The satisfying of personal desires creates more desires. So don't think you're going to like, I'm poly because I'm a very sexual person. Well, you're going to become a whole lot more sexual then because looking to satisfy that urge through having sex with lots of people will turn it up even more. So if, is that where you want to go? Yep. Great. Awesome. Is that, is that where you want to go? No, it's pretty exhausting. Okay. Then we might want to talk about how we can begin shifting our sexual energy to become more positively polarized because both are valid, but both lead very different directions. And I can, I can attest to that. I came from, uh, you know, in my twenties was very much the way any typical guy is just unquenchable sexual appetite. Got to do it every single day, hopefully more than once a day. And it created a lot of suffering for me. It's, it's extremely exhausting to have such an unsatisfiable itch all the time. Mm-hmm. And I got kind of tired of it. Like, can some, where's the off button? Like, <laughs> this is just, it's, it's consuming so much of my energy every day, my mental energy, my sexual energy, my spiritual energy. It's all getting sucked into this endless vacuum of sexual lust that from my experience, doesn't seem like it can be satisfied because I'm trying, man, and it's not working. (laughs) So coming from that place to now being at the point where I've balanced my sexual energy from doing so much work on it, that to be totally frank, I don't hardly even think about sex or the idea of it doesn't even pass through my consciousness at all during the day until the very moment I'm about to have sex. It just happens spontaneously in the moment. And then the sex is mind blowing every time, but it's because I'm not, I don't have this void inside of me. That's looking to be fulfilled. I'm so fulfilled all the time from the incredibly loving, intimate sexual connection that is just to me, endlessly more exciting. And it leaves you feeling like as much as the negative polarity leaves you feeling even more unsatisfied and more lustful as time goes on, positively polarized sexual energy leaves you feeling more and more satisfied. Mm. And it's like the sex is so profoundly good that it's like I could go a week between sex 
and just be overflowing at the amount of energy inside of me because the connection was just electric, right? Yeah. And so it's like, just understand that those are the natures of the polarities. And yeah. then as I've said a hundred times or in this podcast, which one do you really want? Which one do you want? Touching on the polyamory real quick, when we are talking about the energy exchanges, when you are polyamorous, you have to be, ooh, it's like, it's more work in order to make sure you are having good, healthy partners that are on that positive polarity. So, you know, it's not just the commitment of sex or relationship that that you have to foster. It's also making sure that you are spiritually, energetically safeguarding yourself. You know, when we have when we have one partner, you know, we we have we're dealing with one one person, one vibe, right? It's energetically have, safe. Yes, it's energetically safe. So I just wanted to make that point with polyamory. And again, not right or wrong. I mean, you do what you want, and like I'm all for it. And then going, you know, you talking about that insatiable need. Uh, you and I have talked about this at length, you know, because we talk about people all the time and human behavior and spirituality. I have a lot of friends. I've had lovers and clients who all different categories. I've never dated my clients. But <laughs> 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 I want to um, you. thank you that I've had a lot of athletes come into my world. And, and we talk about this a lot, you know, since they are in this world of there's always a plethora of women and sex and money in that second chakra, that sacral chakra, that it's, it's so powerful and the, and the money and the sex are kind of interwoven that going back to that insatiable appetite, that often the, the question that they need to ask is how much sex is going to satisfy you? Right. How, what will it take and it's wild to, uh, you know, work with clients and ask this question to see that aha moment that it's like, it really stops a person in their tracks. Because I think yeah. that it is part of the ego. And one of the questions that was submitted brilliantly was, is the desire to have sex centered around the ego? Yeah, great question. So what I talk about with ego is that ego is simply the act of being identified so when you believe that you are that sex drive and that it must be answered, it must be fulfilled because it's me that wants it, that would be ego. But it's totally possible to have the awareness around that and just understand that it's just another energy of the body. It's a part of evolution. It's an animal instinct. And uh, it's going to be there, but it's not what I am. It's not fundamental to me. So I can actually dictate to it what I really want. And it's when we just are mindlessly giving into the urge all the time that the animal instinct takes us over. So it's like, be the captain of the ship, right? Take your power back from the animal nature. And this is why the unquenchable need for sex is indicative of some real distortions in those lower chakras, because that's the nature of the negative is to possess, conquer, to dominate, to take for oneself. And you touched on it a second ago. There's, There's really two big problems like if you're going to go into the polyamory community or whatever, be very vigilantly mindful of these two big problems with that. Number one is the safeguarding your energy. Now, as I said, is it possible, just like, is it possible to be in a conscious relationship where you've healed yourself so much that your partner no longer triggers you and you're totally selflessly there to love and and serve them? Is that possible? Totally. Is it common? 
Hell no, right? <laughs> super, super rare that that happens. But that's what we're working towards, right? So it's going to be the same deal for being in a polyamorous type of sexual orientation, meaning you're going to have to do a lot of work on yourself not to be attached, jealous, all these things that inevitably surface when we're exchanging sexual energy with lots of people. And you're going to have a lot of people coming to you who have a lot of healing to do, who are very, very broken and distorted. Because again, that type of sexual orientation leads itself or lends itself to people who have huge sexual egos that need to be satisfied. So it's like, one, be very protectful of your energy going into that and be very wise about who you choose to share energy with because there's huge consequences to sharing energy with people. Not even just about like sexually transmitted diseases and stuff, but actually mentally like taking upon yourself the types of imbalances in them. Law of One talks about this. You're exchanging so much of your essence with somebody in a sexual energy exchange. And if it's a negatively polarized exchange, you're exchanging the negative aspects of that person's consciousness. And if it's a positively polarized exchange, you're exchanging the positive aspects, which is kind of funny actually, because a lot of, you know, a lot of charlatan gurus and people out there we could name who have these reputations for posing as a guru so they can really sleep with lots of women, right? (laughs) Yep. Well, what's funny is they use this excuse that, hey, I can make you enlightened if you have sex with me. That's kind of always what these fake gurus will tell women. And what's kind of weird is that in the law of one, Rob basically says that that's true, is that you can actually make your partner, you can elevate your partner's level of spiritual development up to yours through sexual energy exchange. So it shows how powerful sexual energy is that you can either bring someone up to your level or somebody can pull you down to their level. Mm-hmm. Or you can pull somebody down. Or you can pull somebody down, yep. right? It can happen either way. Yeah. But if you're going to pull somebody up, and this is why the charlatan guru can't make anyone enlightened through sex, because it has to be a truly authentic, honest, conscious union with two people who love each other and are there to polarize together. And if you're manipulating someone and telling them what they want to hear to love sex with you, that's obviously not a conscious union, right? Yeah. Ooh, you're so right. And it's it's even showing up in science how a woman's body will change. Her DNA will change due to her sexual partners. Like the actual, the wow, actual semen will change a, per, a woman's DNA. And it, that's incredible. I mean, that is. So if you take even that biological information and then, you know, the, the, what's going on in their psyche, I mean, whew, it's pretty crazy that a bumble hookup, just like a Thursday night, let's go have some drinks, have a little sex can really have an impact on a person. And I think as a society, we have no idea that that is happening. And I mean, we could see it sometimes on a gross level as far as there's a hookup and the next day one of one of the people just doesn't feel very good or both people, you know, they're just, you know, you hear that I feel empty inside, you know, I regret doing that. Well, you know, it's like that is the, the big indicator that there was a negative energy exchange there and it, and it doesn't feel good. And I think we're, we're, we're asleep to that as a society. So I'm glad you are waking us up, Aaron, and, and, and showing us, you know, that there are consequences and just know the game you're playing, right? Know the game you're playing. 
Yes. That's important. If you're going to win the game, you should know the rules of the game. <laughs> <laughs> we all want to win. That's why I love... Her. I love, I love how you just said that you ask your clients how much sex is enough sex for you or how much sex will satisfy you because you're, you're inviting them to have a bit of an aha moment of like, oh, is sexual satisfaction due to quantity or quality? Mm-hmm. And that's a huge discussion, right? Because this, this was the other of the possible negative drawback that you should really watch out for is that, again, just knowing the game you're playing the nature of the negative polarity is that it, it becomes more distorted over time, more and more entropy is built. So you need sex even more. And the types of things that the kinds of stimulus that turn you on, turn on the animal in you become more and more distorted as well over time. Mm-hmm. Like nobody just wakes up and just gets into child porn or something. Yep. It happens through years and years and years of pornography addiction, letting the mind run rampant into sexual fantasies. And you have to keep upping the ante. Why? Because there's more entropy in the system. So it's like, look out for that to happen because it will happen if you're not very conscious and aware of how you're using and exchanging your sexual energy. And a quick story to sort of explain how this works or give you an example is one of my very best friends got into poly and uh, he had been going down the... I don't know, going down that road for a while where him and his girl first were making their own porn and stuff and and doing porn shoots with other people and exchanging lots of energy with other people like that. And then he finally was able to convince his girlfriend to go poly with him or open a relationship. And you know, he, he totally knows how I'm wired and and my orientation towards sex, but he would share with me the way their their relationship was evolving and At one point, he literally told me, he said, you know, Aaron, like, since we're in this open relationship, you know, you're my best friend. I trust you more than anyone on earth. So if you ever want to sleep with her, man, like, just know I'd rather it be you than anyone else. And that way, at least, you know, I feel good about it. And I was like, dude, what are you doing, man? Like, you know, I'm not into that. And I would never sleep with my best friend's girlfriend, even if you're both okay with it. I'm just not interested in that. And he was like, yeah, no worries, man. I just thought I would let you know. And then time goes by, he brings it up again. And this time, the way he talks about it, I can tell he didn't say this directly, but I was picking up energetically. He wants me to. Like something about the idea of me, his best friend being with his girl is turning him on in his mind. And he's kind of encouraging me to do that. Now, nothing wrong with that, of course. But it was becoming a point of contention in our friendship. Whereas like, bro, we've already talked about this, man. And now I'm weird being around you guys. And I've been around two other polyamory communities, like people I know who they all kind of do this or whatever. And both times it was not very long. In one case, it was the very day I met these people (laughs) that they were already trying to see if I was having sex with them, even though I'd already told them the way I was wired, we had a very in-depth conversation about it. They were still kind of poking and prodding to see what my level of openness was. And I'm like, see, this isn't conscious or spiritual. This is selfish. It's self-motivated. And I think because they were sort of fooling themselves and telling themselves that they were doing it for reasons they really weren't, they weren't aware of all the way they were being inauthentic with me and really not telling the truth and being honest. And so it's like, yeah, just look out for those things because in a negatively polarized energy exchange, it's going to head that direction and you're going to have to be mindful of that. 
thank you for sharing that story. And yeah, it, it's, it's with them pushing those boundaries, it's, it's disrespectful to you Period, And it's not, it's not conscious and touching on porn, you know, porn addiction rates are at an all time high. And I I've actually done a podcast on my take on porn. So you can go back and, and listen to that if you'd like. And I agree with you. It, Sexuality can be a slippery slope when we embark on, if we use, you know, porn, for example, you know, we might watch just something kind of like, kind of basic, you know, something basic and, you know, you have a good orgasm and then it's like, Ooh, the next time it's like, it's like having heroin, you know, the first time you get this, this great high. And then the next time you need a little bit more. So it's like, you have, you know, this basic plus, and then the next time it's, you know, it's, it's more, there's this meme that cracks me up because it's like me watching porn, like being all into it. And as soon as, as soon as you have the orgasm, it's like, what is this filth? That is disgusting. Like there's this repulsion. Like, what did I just do? I'm disgusting. I would never do that. Mine kicks in like, what are you doing watching these two midgets? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <and>, uh, <laughs> I have so been guilty of that. I'm like, oh my God, I hope nobody looks at my history right now. <laughs> <laughs> like delete and, the browsing history ASAP. Please. And those moments are indicators that you need to back up. And, you know, and, and again, talking to a lot of my athlete friends and a lot of my guy friends that Aaron, I've been really surprised by the amount of men I'm surrounded by gorgeous, sexy, uh, like high sex energy men. And I am surprised how many of them say they will watch little to no porn because it's just, it it opens this door. And again, I'm not saying porn is good or bad. I mean, it it has, you know, again, I've, I voiced my opinion on this in, in other episodes, but a lot of times they won't open that door because it just, it perpetuates just more darkness, more negativity. And it's just, it's so tantalizing. You know, you get into Pornhub and it's like this, it's like the, this playground of buffet for the ego. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And you know, there's, like I said, there's, there's benefits to it, you know, to an extent. And, but again, these are all great tools for us to look at ourselves and say, okay, why do I need to do this? What, what am I trying to satiate within myself? It's just a great exploratory tool for us. And I'm glad we touched on porn because that was definitely something that people are asking about too. Um, actually, I have another question about porn. Somebody wrote in asking how to how to help someone who's had a porn addiction have a healthy sexual relationship. It just reminds me of like taking them from the from the darkness to the light. How how would you how would you go about doing that? This is such an important question. And I want to be careful the way I answer it because there's no one size fits all approach. And it can be complicated because what kind of porn you're addicted to, you know, could change the way you want to go about your healing process. But the ultimate thing to see first is that if there's an addiction to porn, it is the direct obstacle to conscious intimacy with another being. So I need, I have a lot of healing work to do is the first thing to recognize. 
And the first things I would recommend somebody to do in that situation, and you touched on this a second ago, is not just to ask, what am I trying to satisfy with this porn addiction? But also, more importantly, can it be satisfied? Mm. And if you just stay with that question, every time there's the urge to watch porn, can, I, can this actually satisfy? Is there any chance that I'll go, oh, today was the last day. I never need to watch porn again because I've done it. Okay, so obviously that's never going to happen. So see that over and over and over again. And the mind will become convinced of the futility of that outlet. The, the reason we get addicted to things, especially like porn, is because we don't go into it with any level of awareness. We're not thinking about these things. We're just like, urge must satisfy, and you just go for it. Yeah. And so there's a chance awareness has to come and bring healing to that. So it's like, continue you know, to deny and suppress urges is never the way to heal them because it actually will amplify them. Yep. It's to give in to the urge with a high degree of awareness. So go into it going like, I'm going to watch this porn knowing it's, it cannot satisfy this urge. In fact, it's only going to make it worse. So here I go. And <laughs> yeah. now you'll find that the interest in porn begins to wane dramatically. Mm-hmm. And I know that this works because I've done it with clients who have cigarette addictions, alcohol addictions. It's like, just stamp it on your forehead. Have this like grokking awareness that this cannot satisfy me. I'm going to do it anyways, but I know it can't satisfy me. And then you'll watch how you, you just see that it's futile and something in you just turns away from it. So that's number one. And then the second thing I would say is be very aware also of your orientation in a sexual encounter. And this, again, this might take some, like if you have a partner, if you're, if you're with somebody in a relationship and they know you have a porn addiction and you're trying to heal it, you're in the best case scenario because it's going to take using sex with your partner to reorient your energy and depolarize it to positive again. Mm-hmm. Meaning be very mindful of when I'm going to have sex with my partner. Is there that perception of, yeah, 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 I'm dominating them. They're my possession right now. Oh yeah, here we go. Mm-hmm. Stop. Take a moment check in with yourself and say, no, 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 that's not the reason I'm making love to them right now. I love this being. I want to connect with their energy. I want to feel their essence. And in doing that, I feel more of my essence. Like this union is what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And then you you will be so surprised how much of a freaking turn on that is. Like, because I've experienced both and I know you have too. To me, they just don't compare. It's like a McDonald's patty and an 11 ounce ribeye from Ruth's Chris. Yeah, It's like it's... the the dominating possessing sex the hookup culture sex to me it's just so boring it's the same thing every time and it's like for who for what i'm not satisfying anything it's going to be even worse tomorrow yeah but positively polarized sex with love and intimacy and you're you're attracted to the being having sex with not just their body like i can't put words on why it's so much more of a turn on for me but like to want to connect with someone's essence, it's like you're introducing so many more elements to sex that aren't there in the negatively polarized. Mm -hmm. And this is why I also like to show the distinction and how these energies are totally opposite in every way is that typically in the hookup culture, possession-based sex, the first time you have sex with someone is the best time. And then it gets progressively worse over time because you're bored with them. You know, been there, done that. And then positively polarized sex 
The first time you have sex is actually the worst time you've ever had sex with that person. And it gets better and better. Yep. Now, of course, the first time there's that magic of the first connection and it's great. But I mean, the actual dynamic of the sex is going to be the worst the first time you have sex. And it gets better and better and better because it's like learning to play music, right? Mm. Your, your partner is like an instrument for you to learn their body and play. And you're an instrument for them to learn. And together in learning each other's bodies and, and dynamic and the way that you're oriented and all these different things, you learn to play music together. And in a conscious partnership, like my partner and I, we never have a clue what's going to happen when we have sex. It's so different every time. And it's so incredibly like erotic and sensual and surprising and, and wonderful. And we both had just like, our hearts are overflowing with love afterwards. And in the other type of sex, again, it's the opposite, isn't it? We have sex the same way every time. We have everything we're going to do to each other. And we're just trying to sort of get our needs met. Yep. So there again, one sounds more interesting to you. <laughs> yes. I had one of my friends that was talking about hookup sex is just using each other to masturbate. <laughs> Like just get off and get out. And I, I love how you express that. That is so beautiful. So true. And really we're all seeking love. We're all seeking connection. Yes. We're all seeking intimacy and God bless her. Oprah Winfrey, when she had the Oprah show back in the day, I was, I think I was in high school watching it after school and she broke down the word intimacy into me. You see. And on a Thursday night bumble hookup, you know, you can't see a whole lot into a person. Not a lot of intimacy. Not a lot of intimacy. And, you know, intimacy is way more than just taking off your clothes and being naked. It's being emotionally naked, spiritually naked, mentally naked, and make it naked in all, all, all ways. And when you have that partner and the, ex the energy exchange are are right. And you, you have that connection. That's where the intimacy is. And I love how you said it's, it's spontaneous, it's erotic, and you never know what's going to happen as opposed to the, the porn addict that a lot of times they need to have the same thing over and over again Yeah, to get off. And yeah. so to that person that was asking, you know, how to, to bring someone from a porn addiction into a healthy relationship is, I love what you're saying about not doing this cold turkey, you know, like stop it from here on. Just be conscientious of it. And also having good, healthy, open communication, you know, sit down with your partner and like, well, tell me about your addiction. How, like, what happens when you watch porn? What do you watch? What, you know, and like, just be really curious. And like, I want to know, like, we are in this together. I want to, I want this to be a happy, thriving relationship. So this is not your problem. This is our problem. So yeah. tell me about it and allow them to explain what's going on, be there for them. And then as you were saying, when it comes to building new habits, a lot of times it's just not like, okay, I've done watching porn. I'm healed. You know, it, it's, it's not I'm this healed. <laughs> Ta-da. <laughs> It's I'm it's, enlightened now. I'm enlightened. I just did a couple episodes ago. I had a trauma specialist on and we talked about creating new habits and she's like, just baby step it. Just try things a little different. So when it comes to watching porn, maybe you dial it back and say, okay, instead of watching porn for two and a half hours, when I go to bed tonight, I'm just going to like dip in, dip out, <laughs> just, yeah. you know, 
Or, you know, I'm going to, or on the opposite of that, if you're with your partner, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to look into my partner's eyes for a while. I know I'm really scared to do that normally because it's, you know, there's a lot of fear there, but I'm going to see if I can hold eye contact for a little bit and really see them and really be with them. So it doesn't have to be these full on, you know, these, these big moves. It can be these, these little baby steps. And I definitely think there's just so much room for growth for these, the people who are addicted to porn and, and there's hope for them. And of course you can always heal. You're never far from healing if you want it. Healing is just steps away. Okay. So something that I wanted to talk about because I found this fascinating when I was reading a lot of one, and then a whole bunch of people came in asking for the same thing. And that is talking about homosexuality. I got to say, just from my perspective, I was, I don't know why I was surprised and delighted. I shouldn't have been, but I was surprised and delighted that, that, that Rob brought this up and I, I think we should talk about it. So what does the law of one say about homosexuality? Yeah. Well, this is a great question because there's so much we can touch on with how sexual energy orientation evolves within us because truly all energies are contained within us. And so one of the things that people will get upset about when they ask about this is because they'll read the question in the law of one and think, I think, I don't have it memorized or something, but from what I remember, they ask Ra like, how does one become homosexual? And Ra says like something along, he gives a few different answers, but they say something like, if you like moving to a, a big city or something like that, surrounded by lots of other people of lots of orientations can cause one to become homosexual or something along those lines. And people think that that means Ra is saying, this is the only way someone is homosexual. And that's not what they're saying. They're just giving one example as they do throughout all the, the sessions in the, in the text, giving one example according to the question. But the whole premise of the law of one, which they repeat over and over and over, is all is one. Everything is equally valid. It is all an equally beautiful divine expression of the one. So they're not making ever making anything inferior or superior. And they hammer that over and over again, that this is this does not mean this is superior or inferior. It just, it is what it is. So are some people born gay? Of course. Do some people become gay through socialization or some kind of conditioning? Of course. My own uncle, you know, had that, has that kind of story where typically if there's some kind of either homosexual encounter with a, a friend at a young age, or if there's even some abuse or something that can cause a totally different orienting of sexual energy. And that's not bad in any way or form. It just is what it is. In the same way that a lot of people, as they become 40, 50, their sexual energy is evolving and they find themselves attracted to the same sex all of a sudden. And they're like, I've been super not attracted to the same sex for 40 years. And all of a sudden, here's all these urges. It's because sexual energy can evolve just like anything else. And so I think what Ra's touching on in that passage is if you are introduced to an environment with lots of other sexual energy around you, it's going to be more conducive for kinds of evolutions to happen. And I can even speak to this from personal experience. I lived in uh, the Bay Area most of my life and I dated a girl who lived in San Francisco for about six or seven months. And she was living in, um, she was a Cirque du Soleil performer. So she lived in a housing community of other like circus performers and gymnasts and dancers and things like that. 
And every single person in her housing complex was either bi, gay, or poly, or some kind of out of the standard approach to sex or whatever. And she came into it. She said, I was straight when I got here, but being around so many gay and bi people, it just awakened this energy in me and she became bisexual. And she like loved experiencing that part of herself, which if she had never moved into a community like that, maybe it wouldn't have been awakened, right? Yeah. So there's nothing invalid or bad or wrong about it at all. And I think in the examples Ra's giving, he's just trying to answer the question, which was like, how does this happen? And this is just one way it can happen. And there's an infinite amount of ways it can happen. Well, and I think that you touched on something very beautiful that if it's polyamory, if it's a change of environment and having people with different sexual orientations around us, it can be very beautiful spiritually because we can learn how to love differently. It can reform beliefs and opinions. There is so much beauty to it. And I think that's what a lot of people who are polyamorous or more open or, you know, LGBTQ would would probably be saying right now is it allows for us to express ourselves and learn even more than if we were in, you know, these, you know, heterosexual relationships. I personally loved what Ross said about homosexuality. I, I don't, it was just, you know, as, as dense as the matter is, I actually felt like Ra was pretty cool in the moment. I th- I thought he I think I think he showed up pretty just cool and and very real when he was talking about it. One thing that he said that I think is applicable to every single person, straight or gay, is that our first sexual experiences heavily define who we are throughout our lives. That is huge. And Aaron, you know firsthand the large amount of women that I've worked with over the course of my career who have lived through sexual trauma, assault, abuse, rape, molestation. Yeah. Horrific and mind-blowing. Those experiences form and affect who we are. And when it comes to homosexuality, and you know, Ra brings it up then that there there could be beings that are coming in, they weren't born you know, homosexual, but, you know, they had this experience that, that changed them. Also, I loved that he talked about past lives too. And correct me if I'm wrong on this. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. That's another good part. He talked about past lives and how, if there is a, a man in this life who is gay, that he probably has been a woman several times in a past life. And so he still has a lot of this feminine energy coming in. And so he's in this, this cool place now of like, he's, he's mask. He's in this masculine form and he's learning about masculinity after being a woman for so many lifetimes. I found that very exciting and very fascinating. Yeah. So cool, right? Like we're all just souls playing roles and we've played all the roles. <laughs> like I've been a woman who's had sex with men. I'm now a man who's straight. Like if you're identified with this one body, that's when you limit yourself. Yes. So it's never about like, we just believe we're a slave to our urges and you're not a slave to anything, right? You are the one infinite creator experiencing urges and energies, but you call the shot, not the urge. So the question is never like, like you just touched on it with women who've maybe been abused, right? This is a classic example of 
a woman who might have been raped at one point, then her sexual urges turn very distorted and she wants to be dominated all the time and, and slapped and BDSM and tied up and bondage, which nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. But it's like, that's the way she's wired now because she was abused by somebody. And so the question is, well, but that's what I like though. That's okay. That's not the question to ask. The question is, do you want to like it? Mm. And if the answer is like, no, I wish I didn't like it. Great. You have the power to change that. It's just about your mindset and your attitude towards sex and being very conscious. Again, always keeping in the spotlight. What do I really want? So for the porn addict, as we said, keep watching the porn with that thing in the spotlight of this isn't going to give me what I want. This is leading me where I don't want to go. Those things will quickly unravel those urges because the urges are just responding to you, right? You're giving them reality and you have to know that. So I've also had friends who were around a homosexual community, let's say, and they felt this increasing curiosity to explore that. And they do. And then they come out and say, you know, I tried it and it just wasn't really for me. It just didn't do it for me. I said, great. Now, you know, it's now just self-discovery. Know. Yep. And I think that's one of the things that's fun about being a human, that we do have all these opportunities to experiment. And to all the people who are listening that are either experimenting, who have experimented, who want to experience different types of love, who have had sexual trauma and been hurt, one of the biggest things I would urge you to do is let go of the shame and the judgment around them. That. That, that, that is huge. You know, you are perfect, whole and complete as you are. And if you feel like you've made bad decisions, if you feel like you have been wronged, please just allow yourself some grace and do not carry around the shame. And, you know, you, I believe in soul contracts and I do love that movie soul. You know, you and I have talked about this, that, that Pixar movie, I think they did a great job of explaining it, but I do believe in soul contracts and that before we incarnate, we basically sit down with the board of directors, you know, and we're at the head of the table. We're like, okay, I really want to experience this in this life because I haven't experienced this yet and I need to work on this. And um, so I bring that up because for the the people who have been through horrific stuff, and Aaron, you know that I've heard some terrible, terrible stories, and I'm not taking away from injustice and these horrific acts, but what I am saying is use those as your source of strength and don't let them bring you down. Let go of the shame, let go of the judgment. And I always say, like, use it as a as a Girl Scout or a Boy Scout badge of honor. It's like I survived sexual trauma, or you know, I went through yeah, six years in a you know, a, a sex cult community, and you know, look at me now. I'm in a completely different place, or you know, whatever it is, just please, please, for the love of God, don't carry around any shame. And this is your allowance to let go of any shame that you might be carrying. Yeah. So good, Jessica. It's like the shame takes you everywhere you don't want to go. So Mm. it's like, no matter what your experiences have been in the past, nothing you've experienced defines you. I don't care what it is. And I think that this is another really good look at the positive negative difference is like, if someone's going to abuse somebody or take advantage of somebody, which creates trauma, 
the trauma is created because we think it has something to say about us. Like I, my abuser raped me because I was seen as rapeable or something. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, 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 no. You could have been anybody. The rapist rapes because they have to, because that's who they think they are. They have so many distortions in the system. You could swap your body out with a million other women's bodies. The same act would have been carried out. It has nothing to do with you. And that's the way to healing. But in that same sense, that's why to know what do you want is important because in negatively polarized energy exchange and sex, this was what I saw a long time ago, which is why I just lost interest in it, was like, as a man feeling like I'm conquering a woman and, and, and puffing up my male ego makes me feel special. But then I started to realize it's actually, it doesn't make me special because I could be any other guy doing this to her and it would turn her on. She could be any other girl and it would turn me on the same. Like it has nothing to do with us. It's about the act itself gratifying an ego. Yep. But in positively polarized conscious union, you can't swap that person out for anyone else in the universe, mm. right? It's that yeah. person and it's you and it's that bond. It's, it's exclusive. It's, it's divine. It's special in that way. And so if that's what you want, just know that that's how you get it, right? That's right. Ooh, well said. Okay, so let's let's end on this question. How can one identify a positive polarized charge in someone? What is the indicator of this being a, a good positive sexual union? Yeah, excellent question. So I would say the first indicator is if the person you're dating is pushing you towards or trying to move it towards sex very quickly, 100% always going to be a negative exchange because a positive exchange is selfless. It has nothing to do with, I'm not looking to get anything out of it for me. It's not about me. I want to give you love, give you pleasure and experience you, which means that somebody who really wants that, like when you want that spark, that electric magnetic connection with somebody, then you're going to want to make that connection before you try to have sex with that person. Cause that's what you're looking for is the connection. Right. So like, you'll know it's a safe, energetically safe sexual space when you're just getting to know one another, experiencing each other. And there can be like sexual energy in the air or whatever, but you're not going to feel that person kind of pushing your boundaries to get there. So it's going to be the first sign to clarify if, you're feeling like it's a one-sided push. If somebody's like, it's they're they're prompting it, they're pushing for it. Not necessarily like you're on a great date and you're like, you guys are both like salivating over each other, and there's a, a mutual excitement and draw and push towards sex. It's more one-sided, is what you're saying. For sure, yeah, because the physical attraction is always there. But when you really want that kind of sexual energy exchange, like for me, it doesn't matter how attractive the woman is. Like on a first date, sex is not even passing through my consciousness because I'm not interested in it. I'm interested in connection. So like if, they're, if, if that's your intention and the other person cares about you and they're in it for the same intentions you're in it, they'll pick that up energetically. Yeah. Like it's very, very obvious when someone's in that space. And so if they're pushing your boundaries energetically, even though you're making it very clear of like, here's my pace, then you know that that person's probably looking for a negatively polarized energy exchange. Okay, love that. What's your next clue? Well, the next clue would, would have to be actually having sex with them, right? Like 
there's no real way to know until you make the connection. Mm, okay. So it's like, we talked about this in our last episode, how, how soon is too soon or whatever to have sex with somebody you're dating. There's no right answer. Your heart will tell you, but if it's coming from the right place in you, there will be an excitement because this person's so attractive and I just can't wait to tear their clothes off. But it's like, I'm excited to experience this person on a, on a deeper level. Like, wow, this is going to be so great because I'm, I'm interested in this person. This person excites me. Who they are is a turn on to me, not just how they look. Because I, I know you would say this too, Jessica. It does not matter how attractive the woman is. It could be Scarlett Johansson sitting across from me. If she has baggage and, and energetic distortions, it's the hugest turnoff on earth. Definitely. So it's like, if you want to exchange that divine, intimate connection with somebody, at some point, you're going to have to have sex with them to know if that's there. And in a truly positively polarized energy exchange, it's all, both people are looking to fulfill the other, mm. not take from the other. So it's like, it's, it's a totally different dynamic in sex. And really, you have to experience it to know it, obviously. Right. But like when you talked about how do you heal like somebody coming from a porn addiction, how do I heal my energy to become positively polarized? A lot of times it will have to look like you, like I'm just going to please you tonight. I don't need to get off tonight. It's, it's all about you in my mind because I'm practicing devotion and service because that's positively polarized energy. It's out streaming, out giving, out pouring. And so it's like practice that with, with your partner or practice that with the other person. And I think truthfully, if you're just looking for their pleasure and they're just looking for your pleasure, it's like two bank accounts yes. depositing. Both will be full, right? So it's like, if it's really a positive exchange, you don't need to worry about your pleasure because your partner is going to take care of that. Like your sole concern is my partner's pleasure. Yep. And if it's, you're not, you're not looking for the reciprocation. And if it's negative, that reciprocation won't come. And so that's your indicator. Okay. This is, you know, I see, I see it for what it is. And on the opposite, if it's, if it's positive, then you will get it and you won't even have to worry about it. Yep. Yeah, it's very true. I love that. Do you have any more clues? Um, nothing that comes to mind. I mean, there's, it's just so nuanced in the dynamics. Like it really we is. Could get, we could get really graphic and detailed, of course, but <laughs> we don't need to do that. Our audience is like, yes, be graphic. Come on, give me the juice. <laughs> <laughs> so we are at an hour and 17 minutes right now. And it cracks me up because this is so typical of how we roll, Aaron. We covered so much good information and there's still so much more <laughs> we could every time huh yes there there's there's so much still to cover as far as like we just mentioned the the nitty gritty you know in in this the act of sex i don't know maybe that's just going to be part 3 or maybe on one of our retreats that we will have one day that sounds like right environment right if yeah. you want to get the good details you got to come to our retreat i love that <laughs> that's right Aaron, thank you so much. Thank you for number one, being my friend. And number two, thank you for Likewise. the the knowledge, the energy, all the beauty that you bring to this world. You are an exceptional spiritual and human being, and the world is a better place with you in it. So thank you so much for all the work that you're doing. Gosh, like tell the audience what you're up to because you have a lot going on. I do. Yeah. I've got a lot of cool things in the works. I always have my, my programs going on. So you can find out about that on my website, erinapke.com. 
yeah, really to stay up to date, just Instagram and YouTube, everything I'm doing, you'll find out about there for sure. Perfect. Well, thank you again. I appreciate you so much. I know our audience does. So, and to you guys listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And I have gotten so many messages from you guys just sharing your love and appreciation for all the topics that I cover. So I want to say thank you to all of you for all the love that you've given me. You guys, I mean, seriously, I've been overflowing the last few weeks. So thank you for all of your love. I love you back. And until next time, get out there and love each other.